The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Okay, that works. All right, cool. All right, so uh, today for On the Farm, we're continuing our uh, our team-by-team team analysis for Dynasty. Um, and today we have on Mr. Tim Jackson, uh, another pitcher list author, and he uh, drew a short straw and had to write on the Kansas City Royals. Um, so first off, my condolences to you, Tim. I'm very sorry that you had to do that. They are not a very interesting team. <laughs> Uh, they they are up and coming. <laughs> oh, okay, I guess if you want to call it that. All right. Yeah, so, I mean so, they'll, they'll come up at some point. So speaking of of young up and coming, uh, Sal Perez, uh, he's what four hundred. He, <laughs> I mean, he's got like three thousand miles on him by at this point. Like he's an old man. Is he cooked? Is he done? I don't think so. I, I think he's interesting in the sense that like he's he's solid and he's going to get his playing time, which it always helps when you have a catcher who has playing time just to kind of like set it and forget it. Uh, that said, yeah, he does have a lot of mileage on him. He's played in at least, what, like 130 games almost every year going back to 2013. Uh, and the thing with him is just coming off of TJ, like right now he, he went as the eighth catcher through all of the pitcher list mocks that's between the staff mocks the three of those and the three expert mocks after that and to me that's just really high considering that catcher's really deep uh like sneaky deep and you could probably invest earlier or just afford to wait until like the second to last round and grab like a carson kelly uh instead of a perez who's coming off that tommy john and who like our most recent model for that is didi gregorius who we know struggled a ton coming out of the gate last year once he was finally back he came back fast he came back relatively early but uh he came back to slash like 238 276 441 so perez doesn't necessarily do that but i don't know that he's quite himself right away okay so um if you're if you're looking at it right sell perez honestly i'm not sure how old he is do you know off the top of your head i think he's got to be like 31 or 32 right He's going to play 2020 at age 29 and 30. Okay. Okay. So I was a little bit off. All right. So let's play a little quick Would You Rather. 
uh, from a dynasty perspective, would you take uh, Sal Perez or Jorge Alfaro? Perez. Okay. Sal Perez or Carson Kelly? Kelly. Okay. Sal Perez or Mitch Garver? Ooh. Uh, I guess recency bias is going to see me say Garver, but I have my doubts there too. Okay. And then my little pet project for all catchers is Sal Perez or Tom Murphy. And if you don't say Tom Murphy, then you're wrong. That's okay to be wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> who else is on the board? <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. It's Tom. It's Tom uh, or nothing. <laughs> I might, I might lean Perez. I like okay. Tom Murphy's skill set. I feel like it just hasn't shown up yet in the majors. Hey, he was good last year. It doesn't matter. I, that's that's my Tom Murphy in it. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. <laughs> he was really good. I, I go off about Tom Murphy in almost every single uh, podcast. By the time people are done with this, they're going to think that I'm a nutcase. Like, they're just going to think I'm a crazy person. Okay. He hit he hit 18 good. home runs in 280 at-bats. That's all I'm going to say. Or play yeah. appearances. That's all I'm going to say. So You know, I don't know about it because he was on the Mariners yeah. and I feel like the Mariners were just so easy to forget so fast <laughs> All right. I don't mean that it's flat I guess that comes off as a dig no but it, um, but, it, but it's the truth <laughs> and it and it's supposed to hurt just a little bit <laughs> alright so so uh, we have um, I want to talk about Jorge Soler obviously he had a great year last year I mean I, I would say arguably it was probably his breakout year um, what are your thoughts and feelings on him, right? He's age 27 at this point. He'll be playing in his 27, 28 uh, uh, year. He's good, right? I mean, like, what are you thinking as far as his prospects go moving ahead? Yeah, I think it was both a, a breakout year and maybe a career year. One thing that really sticks out to me is that his home run per fly ball rate was like 28% or something, which is... Well, we can get the exact number. We have that technology. So uh, I'm going to double check it to not say or something and, and try to come off like I know it what I'm was, talking uh, about. Uh, it was 28.1%. Yeah, okay. So you nailed um, it. that was like the seventh best in MLB, and that's great, but it's also like way above average. Uh, the average is somewhere around, I want to say, 13 or 14%. Um, and even if he is – you know, he hits more fly balls than usual. He's going to maybe lean into a higher fly ball per uh, home run per fly ball rate at some point. Like, that's fine, but it might come down. Even Steamer, Steamer is projecting him for 35 instead of high 40s in the home runs. Uh, so he might push 40, and he still might be really valuable, but he's still probably going to be uh, that, that DH outfield option, uh, probably in the second or third outfield option for people. All right, so so you're saying that he's an outfielder too? Yeah, assuming he's got that eligibility. Uh, I think the way that the Royals are, are constituted right now, they with that that signing, I know we're actually we might sneak into some Michael Franco talk, but uh, that kind of realigns their their look right now because it's going to push Dozier to the outfield. It'll push um, Whitmerfield to center, and Soler might see maybe fewer games there in, in 2019. Okay, so let's do a quick would you rather hear Jorge Soler or Yasiel Puig? I might take Soler. Okay, uh, Soler or Marcelo Zuna? Oh, man. Um, I guess it's a good question when I'm having a hard time right away. Uh, 
Thank I'll, you. Thank I'll you. Take I'll, take, I'll take that credit. <laughs> You're taking Solaire. Yeah, that's again. all yours. Yes. Okay, and then uh, over under, number of home runs that Jorge Soler will hit over the next three years, 142. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll take the under just because that's a lot of home runs. That's a lot of home <laughs> But three years? I mean, he has to well, hit 47 yeah, but- per year? Yeah, that's a lot. Okay. I, I don't know. I, no, I, I don't know. So you're saying that 48, head, 48 he's not going to repeat that 48. That's where that's. I was trying to hit on that, and obviously you said that that home run to fly ball rate is, is not where it should be, that it's probably a little off and skewed. And so where do you think he yeah. comes down to? Do you think 35 is the right number, or, or think, do you feel like – Yeah, I think that's reasonable. 35 okay. is reasonable with the way he, – he hits it really hard. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, like – that. Let's let's buy in on thirty five. I would take what is that over three years? One hundred and five, thirty five ish. So I would take the over on one hundred five. Okay. So uh, I hate Whit Merrifield, and I, there's no <laughs> there's no real reason behind it. I don't. I think it's just because I never saw it coming, and it's always been kind of a blind spot to me. But I I just don't like him as a player. Why do I need to like him moving ahead now that he's entering his what age twenty eight season or twenty nine season? He's actually gonna play age thirty. He's gonna play next year at age thirty one. Thirty one, yeah. So why should I like him? Yeah. Well, I think he's he's going to get the playing time, and I, it, that's one of those things. It just it just ends up mattering so much when you invest the capital early. Like, is that guy gonna have his job? And on a team like the Royals, nobody's supplanting Whit Merrifield, and like he's, I don't know, steals are so valuable or they're valued so highly by so many people right now that even last year he he lost twenty five steals and still had twenty. So he's gonna get you the steals. He's gonna hit for a good average. He's going to uh, come in across a hundred runs, probably hitting a top that lineup even if it's terrible he's good i don't know how long he'll be good for though not this good so if you were i'm sorry so if you were starting a, a dynasty league today right where is what merrifield going for you is he within the top 100 easy yeah i think so especially if you're playing with people who want to win right away i think dynasty is a lot of fun because you get that long scope but I think that you know the people who who realize it's easier to win now, they always have a leg up. So he might be like an interesting, uh, almost interesting enough, boring old guy that people take uh, in in that top one hundred. What do you think as far as um, over the next few years? Obviously, right? He'll be entering his age thirty one season. So uh, number of seasons what Merrifield has with at least six hundred and twenty five plate appearances and twenty stolen bases. I'm putting the number at two and a half seasons. I would take the under on that just because speed is something that it just it can go so fast. And um, you know, if he's played almost every game the last two years, I don't know how much longer that can hold up, especially playing a, a maybe more assertive style like he does. He also like he just started running a lot less last year. He only ran, you know, he only stole twenty bases. And he didn't lose a ton of speed. He lost, I think, about half a second on his sprint speed. But I'm going to take the under on that just because it's it's just such a fickle skill. 
So he's played a lot of second base and outfield. Obviously, that's great for daily league players. Do you see him staying or having eligibility at both of those positions this year and next year? Or do you think it's going to tail off and he'll end up staying at second base? I guess it depends on how liberal your your league settings are. Uh, you know, if you're Yahoo and it's five games, I could see that. Ten, probably, over the course of the year because who else is playing there? It's, it's Nicky Lopez at this point. So, hey. like, sure, he can get, well... Nikki Lopez's like, mom listens to this podcast. Just be nice. I think her son is a fine young gentleman <laughs> uh, with good skills to grow. Uh, but maybe they do some weird outfield configurations where Whit Merrifield takes second and the outfield is full for the day, especially in, say, in NL Park, uh, where they still want that better bat in the lineup and they want Solaire in there. So who knows? Uh, I, I think I could see him having the second base eligibility through next year. Okay. So um, Aldoberto Mondesi is kind of a lightning rod, I feel like, within the community yes. of, of fantasy baseball. Um, he is both dynamic and terrible. <laughs> uh, where where do you land on this? I'm on the I, terrible is a distinct word. I don't know if I'm leaning quite that far, but I'm closer to that than awesome. He just he walks so little. He strikes out so much. He hits a lot of grounders, and like last year, he decided to hit more. There was also maybe some injury stuff going on there that led him to not be able to lift the ball the same way. Um, I just I don't see it. I you know, like sure steals are very valuable, but I'm going to look elsewhere. Do you think he ends up ever being the leader in the stolen base category? Maybe for a year or two. I mean, it, he he got he did swipe 43 last year in 102 games. So like he's going to run. That's that's cool, but I just is it going to be on base enough to do that for a year or two? That's that's a good question, at least to me, because his OBP last year was 291. Even in 2018, when he came up for those 75 games, it was just over 300. Um, both of those in the scope of your average major leaguer are subpar mm-hmm. uh, by like 20 points at least. So <laughs> I don't know. That That's one of those where it's like if you take them, you better love them because if you don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody else will, and you can trade him. But I'm not on that boat. My thing with Alberto Mondesi is that he plays shortstop, and shortstop is wildly deep, like very yeah. very deep. And so while the short while the stolen bases are nice, and maybe he has some power potential somewhere along the way, like he's competing with a lot of really fantastic players at that position to be w- even within the top ten of that group, right? Yeah. Well, and he's actually being taken as the he was taken as the tenth through all the pitcher list mock drafts. Uh, he finished as the eleventh shortstop last year. I was just writing up some Dodgers stuff today, and I was talking about Corey Seager. How we're in this golden age of shortstops, and guys like Corey Seager don't even register on the radar. Right. I don't think Montesi is is really like I don't think he's pushing up toward the top end of that tier. Right. So um, my question to you, a last question about Alberto Montesi is. Is Alberto Mondesi the new Jonathan VR? It's interesting if we consider him as a guy who can put together two to four war overall. Uh, that's Fangraph's war, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that's not a fantasy stat, but that is one of those opportunity stats where it's like if he's if he's in and he's playing, he's probably going to get his. Um, maybe 
I, I still think he does hit too many grounders. That that takes away the power. Um, I think he's going to need to learn to take a little bit walk. Like even VR, VR hit uh, had twice as many walks, I think, last year, or a walk percentage twice as high. So maybe, but I think that might be a little generous. Okay. And uh, a couple more questions for you. Uh, regarding Nicky Lopez and Brett Phillips, what type of league am I rostering these two in? <laughs> Really, really deep ones. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think Brett Phillips is – like even – both of them might steal double-digit bases, but Brett Phillips is still a category suck at most everywhere else and is projected as such moving forward. Uh, Lopez might give you batting average, so if you can stomach the rest and you're in a deeper league and you've got a, a couple corner infield – or middle infield spots or you know, you're looking for somebody on an off day, sure, you can, you can take him late probably. Uh, but – that's maybe as as far as I'd go on either of those. Okay, so Nicky Lopez, twenty teams, two middle infield spots. Brett Phillips, eh? I don't know. All right. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, last last little bit, last question for you, last player, um, Michael Franco. Uh, the the Royals made a huge splash this offseason and got Franco. Um, how quickly <laughs> is he favored? Uh, or how quickly will he be benched in favor of the cardboard cutout of Alberto? Or I'm sorry, Alberto Cayaspo. Um, boy, this I feel like this has some some Mike Matheny baked into it too. Um, Is it Math? It's Matheny. Uh, I've always said I've always said Matheny. Oh no, it's Ma- Matheny. I might have I might have waffled. Um, either way, I think Mike M is baked in there. And uh, I don't know. I like I. <laughs> I got to see a lot of Michael Franco, and I, like you, you could you could I'm search sorry. him. One of the, Are you, sorry <laughs> for you. Yeah, one of the first articles that comes up if you search him is a Rotographs article from like two years ago, saying that it's probably time to give up on him. Uh, he's shown a couple of flashes since then. Every hole that seems to be patched with him also seems to just stretch a little thin elsewhere and open up another one. Uh, he's moved closer to the plate. He's adjusted his batting stance. He's moved down in the lineup. None of them have really seemed to help him click. The Phillies are not exactly good in player development right now and have not been for some time. And maybe that's part of it, but I don't know what he does outside of what he's always done for the Royals in 2020. And even less so because Kaufman. Kaufman Stadium will... I, I feel like he's... he's yeah. He's bad. Yeah, well, he's still projected for 20 home runs, too, so that'll be interesting. I mean, he's projected uh, for that, but do you, that, do you feel like he's actually going to get the full slate of at-bats? I guess, again, it depends on how weird the, the Royals want to... It feels like they're just set up to give people shots. Like, Nicky Lopez is going to get a shot. Uh, Franco's going to get a shot. Hunter Dozier's going to learn the outfield for these guys. Um I don't know. I it's it's just so hard to see. I, yeah, I could see him getting maybe 120 games, and at that point, no, he probably doesn't crack 20 home runs. All right, so we're gonna pause here for a second because uh, Mr. Jackson has to teach English class tomorrow, uh, <laughs> and, or not tomorrow. Are you guys on winter break? We wrap up tonight. This uh, is it. This uh, is the end. This is the. This is it for him. Um, so uh, a long good night to you. 
what is uh, where, where can people find you? Like, what are you going to be writing on coming up here? Anything that you want people to be on the lookout for? Yeah, so at Pitcher List, I'm going to have uh, write-ups on the Yankees lineup, the Dodgers lineup. Uh, the Cubs lineup will be out relatively soon. I, I'm going to have a mindfulness and baseball piece out in the next little bit, hopefully. And just again in that going deep section, looking for those league-wide trends that we can kind of uh, apply both to our general approach and look at specific players with. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Tim Jackson. All right, Tim, we will be talking to you very soon. I'm guessing again, just because we're going to have to talk about those three very tantalizing lineups. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be ready for it. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks so much, Adam. Bye. Bye. back uh tim had to leave because he has school tomorrow and so i am going to give you a quick rundown of all the royals prospects um of note for everybody um so really quick i want to talk uh briefly about bobby witt jr he is a six foot one 185 pound monster and he could comfortably put on an extra 15 to 20 pounds and become and have that much more power to his uh, um, approach he is an elite athlete he's got a quick twitch explosiveness and in 2019 it was his first go around he was drafted uh i believe number three overall but and he got off to a slow start uh, that said Everybody has that happen to them, especially when they when they've gone through and this is their first time through some sort of professional development. Um, there are very few athletes who come out of the scene and just go nuts. So I am not worried about his 2019. It's just him getting used to the situation. Um, he has all the tools and instincts to succeed at the major league level, but he just needs some time and polish to get there. Uh, he might start next year at full season low A ball and then be promoted to high A ball, depending on how his season goes. Um, it will be his first real test of professional baseball. That said, this past season, even despite his struggles, over 180 plate appearances, he had a 262, 317, 354 slash line. He had a 92 w, uh, DRC plus. That's that's pretty good. That is pretty good for a teenager. In first year player drafts, uh, he's going number three for me just after Reichman. Um, but there is an argument for somebody to take wit over Reichman just because of where Reichman plays at catcher. Um, obviously... I'm taking a White Sox uh, player in Andrew Vaughn prior to either of those two names just because of his polish and approach and, and his uh, prodigious power. Uh, but Witt is a very good, very, very good second option to me. Um, the rest of the Royals system, especially from an offensive perspective, is rough, real rough. Um I'm going to take one minute to talk about Nick Prado just because if I don't, I feel like Shelly Verstraight is going to hunt me down and hurt me uh, because she talked up Nick Prado uh, a lot over multiple uh, airwaves. So Nick Prado slogged through his uh, age 20 season. It was 
bad. He struck out like 30% of the time. Uh, he's a first base prospect without any power. In a full season this year, he hit 191, 278, 310 with a 64 DRC+. Plus. Abandon all hope, ye who enter this hell. It is a bad place to be. If I don't care what league you're in, go ahead and cut him. Like, just go ahead. Just just cut your losses. Just move on with your life. This is a bad relationship to be in if you feel like you need to roster Nick Prado. Run away. Run the other direction. Um, uh, really quick, my guy, Suli Matias, um, also had a very uh, bad 2019. Like the rest of us, he would probably like to forget 2019 ever existed. Um, he struggled mightily for most of the first two months of the season and then he went on the IR with hand surgery uh, and missed the rest of it. Uh, he is a poster child for light tower power uh, that may be operated by a windmill he calls a bat. Uh, he posted a 44.3% K rate. So pretty much the only person that missed more, struck out more than Nick Prado was Suli Matias. However, the thing that Suli Matias has that Nick Prado does not is power. And this guy has 70 grade power. He is awesome. I love to watch him get a hold of one. It's worth your while to buy him cheap in the event he figures it out soon because batters that have the ability to swat 50 home runs don't come around often. I mean, we're talking about what this year? Joey Gallo, Pete Alonzo. I mean, that's where are we? So, um, that said, if he's still struggling in July, uh, the dim light on this uh, prospect may all be uh, uh, but extinguished. So go ahead and buy low, but don't buy crazy uh, and hope hope that he cuts his K rate down to some reasonable level of 25% or so. Um, and then the last trio of, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the last offensive player that I want to talk about is Khalil Lee. Uh, he is perhaps the lone bright spot on the Royals offensive farm system this year. He put up a respectable 117 DRC plus in his first full season at double A. And more impressive were his system best 55 stolen bases, which was at an 81.5% success rate. Uh, the power hasn't fully uh, realized itself um, as evidenced by his eight home runs, and it may never be more than 20 home runs in any given season. However, Lee has all the makeup of an out, outfielder three, outfielder four type. He's going to be a solid contributor without a lot of flash. He's still a top 100 prospect. If you can get 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases out of a out of an outfielder, you should be pretty happy with that player. And he's probably going to get some playing time given the rundown of what we talked about in that outfield makeup for the Royals um, with Tim. From a pitching side of things, thing uh, it's a little brighter, um, but perhaps not as bright as a lot of people make it out to be. Uh, the three names I'm going to talk about are Jackson Cower, uh, Cower, Cower, Jackson, J.K. I don't know, Jackson Cower. I'm going to call him K-O-W-A-R. Daniel Lynch and Brady Singer. If uh, Cower and Singer don't see major league action by September this year, Royals fans need to riot. Uh, they are pretty much ready. They're very polished. Cower made quick work of high A ball and was promoted to double A for the rest of the season. While his ERA and FIP were solid, the DRA had some room to be desired. I like Jackson for his big frame and ability to work innings. 
Only five of his 26 starts were less than five innings. However, 15 of his starts went for more than five innings. That is so impressive. He's still working on the breaking ball, but he's good enough to uh, that you see an SP4 workhorse in that build. So I'm interested in him. I'm not identifying him anywhere near that Forrest Whitley, Sixto Sanchez, Devi Garcia, Grayson Rodriguez level. He's not that player for you. But if you want to look at him kind of like a Mitch Keller, where he's just going to be okay, he's going to be real solid and pitch a lot of innings for you, that's your player. The king of the Royals farm system is Brady Singer. Uh, he is the Florida uh, prospect and former first round, uh, 2018 first round draft pick. And he has been solid. Like Cower, uh, he was quickly promoted out of the Carolina League to the AA team, where he posted strong but not stunning numbers. The bugaboo with Singer is that he throws but doesn't deal. He's not someone you lust over like Grayson Rodriguez or Debbie Garcia. He'll never be Sixto Sanchez. He's a throwback. He works a quick game. He gets uh, movement on his balls, but it, <laughs> he gets movement on his uh, breaking balls, but they're not wild. You know, like they're not knee buckling. Um, and he has a really interesting arm slot. Uh, he does get enough to generate some whiffs, but not a ton. Uh, like Cower, he's a workhorse who you could easily envision throwing 180 to 200 innings for five straight years to the tune of like a 3-4 to 3-6 ERA and a fine K to 9, probably like around like a mid-8 but nothing, nothing that's just like, oh my God, I have the ace of my staff. He's just going to be really good. Um, and that's something that you might want. Daniel Lynch is the last name I want to talk about. And this is my guy, my pick of the trio. And he's not always the popular pick. The reason I'm into him more so than the others is just that he has more offerings right now. And though the curveball may be scrapped if he can't pull it together, uh, it's still something that's there and that he's working on. Also, he's a lefty, meaning there's less likelihood of him becoming a reliever now that the three batter rule is in place. I do think that the Royals will probably try to make him into a starter at all costs. The fastball plays itself at a higher velo than his compadres, and while the slider has a bit more bite to it as well, I think that he just has more stuff than the other two. He's a little bigger than the other two in terms of frame. So with a better fastball, a better slider, a bigger frame, I see him being more of an SP2, SP2, SP3 than Singer or Cower. And he's my pick. But you could take any one of these out of a hat and say, hey, he's going to be the ace of the staff moving ahead for the next five years. And you wouldn't be wrong. So that's my rundown of the Kansas City Royals farm system. We'll have more to you coming up, obviously. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.